How many of you have your Bible today? If you have your Bible, say, I've got it, Pastor. How many of you have your Bible on, you brought your, uh, your iPad or your phone, and that's how you use your, the, the Bible, say, I, I'm, I got it, just show it to me, amen. I, I, boy, you're a, you're a better person than I. I can't figure out how to use my Bible app, and I have friends who preach from an iPad, and they just talk in and I, I can't quite do that. I need the written word here in my in book form just for me. But however you get to the to first and second Timothy, I want you to get there today. Let me say as this the second part of this series, uh, we're going to be here a while. We're going to be in this study of first and second Timothy on into the fall pretty good. I'm not exactly sure how long this is going to go, but there's a whole lot here. And I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, spend too long, but I certainly don't want to, to not give it adequate opportunity because here's what I've been sensing in my heart more and more every day, especially this year, that the times we live in are so important for us to understand. And God is looking for leaders who will lead us through these last days. Everyone say last days. And you know, and I'm going to continue to affirm this, that According to Scripture, when the church was born in Acts chapter 1 and 2 uh, and 3, when the church was birthed, according to prophecy in Joel chapter 2, that that began what the Bible calls the last days. Everyone say the last days. Tell somebody we're living in the last days. Now we know that this last day's time is an undetermined amount of time. It's almost like if you studied the prophetic time clock of Daniel, and Daniel, I think it's chapter 9, it's like God put a pause on his prophecies. And he said, I'm, I'm pausing my, my time clock. I'm, I'm taking a hold of the sands of time and stopping them for a season, an unknown season called the last days. In fact, Peter said this about those days. He said, listen, you need to understand we're living in the last days and you can't think about it as the way uh, uh, you, you would normally think. He said, because a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. And so... So when you think about the fact that they've been saying Paul said it was the last days and Peter and the other disciples and of course Jesus said we're living in the last days and you come to the place where you say, well, they've been saying that all along and I don't, hey, we don't know how long the last days will last, but we are living in the last days. Are you with me so far? Say amen. amen. So with that in mind, I, I've sensed this year an urgency in my spirit to prepare us better to be what God wants us to be in these last days. You see, I just know this from Scripture and from what I see in my in in the world around me that the last days are not going to get better and better. They're going to get worse and worse. The darkness is getting darker, but understand this, we are the light of the world. Somebody say, we are the light of the world. And when the darkness gets darker, it's certainly something necessary for the church to be what God would have her to be and be the light of the world and be a light in a dark place. And so my heart is, is, is burdened about the days we're living in and the necessity of, of the gospel being uh, 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 preached all over the world and people's lives being transformed and mamas and daddies and brothers and sisters being what God wants them to be in these last days. Understand something. God just doesn't want you to survive the last day. He wants you to thrive. Could I get a better amen? And I believe this is our finest hour. And we should not be fearful of the last days because how many of you know He's with us always? Amen. 
And so, as we jump into First and Second Timothy, we realize that, uh, that Paul understood the, the necessity of the times and the times that they were living in. And when you look at First at and Second Timothy, in fact, uh, if you, just quickly, look in First uh, Timothy chapter 4. Let me just show you this again, and then we'll move on. What does he say in verse 1? Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to the deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons. Could I tell you, we're living in that right now. How many of you believe me this morning? I, think, I feel like i got to convince some of you a little more. We're living in the last days. And then look over in 2 Timothy chapter 3. What does he say again? He says, but know this, that in the, what? The, the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. We are living in the last days. And so my heart is to prepare us and prep us. In fact, uh, I used uh, a few, gosh, a few months ago, I taught a series here on Sunday morning called Doomsday Preppers, just kind of a little angle to get your attention, preparing your life and family for the end of days. And here we are again in in First and Second Timothy with the same theme, but a little different angle. And I believe God wants us to be ready for anything and everything that may come our way. Amen. I borrowed a uh, definition from John Maxwell. Everyone say, uh, leadership is those who know the way, show the way, and go the way. I love that definition. If you know anything about John Maxwell, he's a great leadership guru. He's been written many great books, and I would encourage you to get anything he was written. It's really good. And I just want to use this. I'm going to use his definition in this series as an outline for First and Second Timothy. And we began last week uh, looking at knowing the way. How many of you know you got to know the way? We need last day's leaders who know the way. If you don't know the way, how can you show the way? If you don't know the way and show the way, how are you? Hey, we need leaders who are not only knowing the way and showing the way, but the, for goodness sake, they're going the way. We don't need leaders who say, do as I say and not as I do. Amen. And so that's the whole purpose of this series. We're living in the last days. And, and so we looked, just kind of introducing this series, we looked at uh, uh, what Paul considered was the way. You know, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, they would use this phrase, in the way. Everyone say, in the way. I gave you an illustration. Train up a child in the way. It, and, and it really means in the direction, in the course, in the way of their life. In other words, help people find their way in this life. And, and we know we need to be in the way. How many of you know we've got to be in the right way? Amen. We've got to be on course for God's purposes and plan for our life. Now, here's what, here's what Paul told Timothy. Look in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1, verse 11. He says this. He talks about the, 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 and we're going to look at this deeper in just a few moments. He talked about uh, 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 doctrine that was not according to the way and false doctrine. He said this. You've got to have doctrine, sound doctrine. Everyone say sound doctrine. Look in verse 11. According to, or in harmony with, if you might say, to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, who was commit, which was committed to my trust. Now, did you get that? There's a whole lot there. He said, listen, you've got to stay close to the gospel. 
And that gospel has been committed to my trust. And we learned from Paul, in fact, look over here in verse, oh gosh, verse 15. He, he defines it. He said, basically, he's showing us the way. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? Save sinners of whom I am chief. You see, that's the way of the Lord. Did you know everything that Jesus, or pardon me, God ever planned on planet earth was to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in their life, to be born again? That's the way. Everyone say, that's the way. And so he said, this is a worthy saying. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Now, let me show you this again in chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Look at this. He said, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godly, godliness. Everyone say, exercise yourself toward godliness. Now, let me show you something. And, and he said this. He, he said, when you do this, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Verse 9. For us to exercise ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Now, I didn't mention this last week, but uh, let me throw this out to you. Did you know the, 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 the Greek word for exercise right there literally means to exercise naked? That's why we dismiss the kids first. But he's not talking about physical nakedness. He's talking about being unencumbered by anything that would hinder you from the purposes of God for your life. Now catch this. He said, exercise yourself for the purpose of what? Godliness. You know what that word means? You know, I've always thought that was just mean being righteous and holy and good. Did you know the, uh, the, the Greek word there for godliness means the, according to the gospel scheme? Everyone say gospel scheme. He said, here's what you've got to do. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that you must exercise yourself, get unencumbered with anything that would hinder you from this, and you get all, uh, all uh, uh, spiritually and physically fit in accordance and in harmony with the gospel scheme. In other words, don't get too far away from the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. Now, what is the gospel again? You know, the gospel is this. Jesus Christ, he came into the world to save sinners. How did he do that? By dying on, a Cal on Calvary's cross, by paying for our sin with his own blood and by uh, going into a, a borrowed tomb and three days later rising again. That's the gospel. Everyone say, that's the gospel. And here we find Paul the apostle saying, let me tell you the way. This is the way. This is where you need to stay. Don't get away from this. I love what we did today, taking the, uh, the songs we sang, had reference to the gospel and the fact that we had communion today, referenced the power of the gospel and the remembrance of what Christ has done for us today. And he says, listen, there's something you need to know. It's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. This is the way you've got to live your life. This is what you've got to embrace a, a, around your life. It's the power and the priority of the gospel. Everyone say amen. So with that in mind, let me just give you the course of life for every believer. Let me show it to you today. Let me put it in a way that you and I can... In fact, let's read it together. The course of life for every believer, I believe, is this. Here we go. You ready to read it out loud and proud with me today? Let's do it. Jesus Christ... Or wait, let me start. Here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And His plan is to use us in the process as a proclaimer of the way and a pattern for others to follow in the way.
Let's say it again, everyone together. Take a picture of it, Google it, do whatever you want, study it. Here we go. The course of life for every believer, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And his plan is to use us in the process as a proclaimer of the way and a pattern for others to follow in the way. In fact, what did Paul say in the second, uh, or pardon me, verse uh, uh, 15 and 16 and 17? He said, hey, this is the gospel, and I have been chosen by God to be a pattern for others to follow in the way of the Lord. And so we got to know the way. Understand something. If you don't know the way of the cross, if you don't know the way of the gospel, you're in serious trouble. And these last days, listen, these last days, we need brothers and sisters, believers, who are not just kind of sitting on the sidelines of life. We need people who have been consumed with the power of the gospel in their life, who have been bona fide, born again, and washed in the blood of the Lamb, and who have realized something about this life, that they're here not just to sit soak inside, and to take up space, but to be a proclaimer of the way and a pattern for others to follow in the way. Are you with me? Say amen. And that's the way of the Lord, to know the way of the Lord. Now, for a number of weeks, we're going to kind of just build off of this thought, you got to know the way. And I want to do that again this morning by this, the way, the course of life for all believers that I just outlined for you. It's not only just the way of the cross, but uh, here's he kind of builds on it for us in First and Second Timothy to know the way of good and sound doctrine. If you're going to walk in the way, you've got to walk in the way of good and sound doctrine. Everyone say sound doctrine. Now, when you look at these two books, and I encourage you, this is what we need to do. You need to be reading First and Second Timothy. You need to me- be memorizing verses out of First and Second Timothy. You need to be pondering things out of First and Second Timothy. It doesn't mean you can't read anything else, but hey, how many of you know, how many of you want to be with me these next few weeks? And so you've got to be embracing the thoughts here. And in these two letters, 12 times in 10 chapters, Paul hammers home the importance of sound doctrine. Did you catch that? Twelve times in ten chapters, he hammers home the importance of sound doctrine. Now, sound doctrine, doctrine is teaching, it's, it's instruction, it's learning. That, that's what discipleship is all about. How many of you realize that? If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've got to embrace the teaching and the instruction, and you've got to be a learner, and not only just one who has heart, head knowledge, but heart knowledge and follows the way of the doctrine that you are learning. Amen. That's what discipleship is all about. And, and the word sound, he, t- he used sound doctrine. It means healthy, true, wholesome, to be safe and sound. How many of you want to be safe and sound? You see, in this Christian life, and especially in these last days, you and I need to be adherence to, if you will, sound doctrine in our life. And even as today, and even in that day, there were all kinds of influences that hindered the healthy, true, and wholesome, and the safe and sound doctrines of Christ. Look at... hey. Do I have time? I think I do. Let me, let me walk through these 12 things with me, with you. You got your Bible? Are you ready? Let me show them to you. First Timothy 1 3. He says this. I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Look in verse 10. He says this. For he's talking about the law and it was made for unlawful people. He said it was for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Everyone say sound doctrine. 
Look in chapter 4, verse 6. He told Timothy, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of what? Somebody say good doctrine. Look in verse 13. He says, Timothy, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to to doctrine or sound doctrine. Look in verse uh, 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, to the teaching. And then uh, 1 Timothy 6.1, look over there, look what he says. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor so that the name of God and His doctrine may not be blasphemed. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. I think you're getting the point. He said this, but you have carefully followed my... Doctrine. Come on, stay with me. 2 Timothy 3.10 But you have carefully followed my doctrine and manner of life. Look in verse 16 of 3. He says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration from God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look in 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. He says, Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season uh, with all long suffering and what? Teaching or doctrine. Look in verse uh, uh, 3. Well, that's verse 2 and 3. And so we see that throughout the, the these two letters that Paul is hammering home the importance of healthy, whole, sound teaching in our lives. We need disciples who are students of the sound doctrine of God in their lives. Amen. You know what I've noticed? Let me, I don't want to be, you know what I've noticed throughout my life? There's a lot of what I've called Jesus groupies. You ever met a Jesus groupie? They just want to hang around for more fish and bread. Whoo! They love the goosebumps of the Christian life. How many of you love the goosebumps? I love experiences with God. I've had a bona fide experience with God. In fact, I had an experience with God this morning. Man, I felt His presence in my life. I felt the anointing of God all over me. I might even got a goosey. I don't know. But I felt His presence in my life. But let me tell you where I felt it. I felt it when I was reading and studying and meditating on the law of the Lord. I moved into His presence in my life. And listen to me today. In these last days, uh, experience alone will not secure you on the rock, Christ Jesus. We need the doctrines of God established firmly in our life. What did Jesus say in Matthew 7 about building a foundation? Where do you do? You build it on the rock. And what's that rock? It's the Word of God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for the Word of God. You see, we need last day's leaders who know the Word. And they know the way of the gospel. And they are established in the firm foundation of the gospel. Listen, that's what we need today more than ever before. Because the last days offer up all kinds, a plethora of options and substitutes for good sound doctrine. Do you realize that? In fact, look what Paul said. If you want to go back to it just for a moment, 1 Timothy 4.1, he said this, In the last days, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. See, there's a lot of competition today in this world, and there's a lot of things that are endeavoring to undermine the sound doctrine. It saddens me. This, that verse saddens me. How does that sadden me? 
in the last days, many will do what? Depart from the faith and give heed to false doctrine. And today, how many, in these last days, how many of you don't want to do, I don't, how many of you don't want your kids going down that road? How many of you don't want your brothers or sisters going down that road? So I came to tell you that in these last days, we've got to build a life that establishes us in the sound teachings of Jesus Christ in our last. In these last days, we need leaders who know the way, who show the way, and who go the way of sound doctrine. Let me show you some faults today to kind of help you. To build a life that is stable and right, that knows the way and shows the way and goes the way of sound doctrine. Here it is. Let me say it to you this way. The way of sound doctrine, number one, you need to know what you should know. Most people don't know what they should know. How many of you, when you go to a new job somewhere, there's some things you're supposed to know about the, the way you should go. I find a lot of believers who, who are actually born again, but they couldn't tell one person how to get to Jesus and how to go to heaven. They don't know the way that they should go. They, they, they've, they've experienced salvation, but they could not for one, uh, 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 communicate clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see Paul telling Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he said this to all of us. He said, be diligent or to study. Somebody say study. Ooh, now that doesn't sound any fun, Pastor. Come on, let's have a let's have a Holy Ghost meeting. Well, I love Holy Ghost meetings, but let me tell you something: those Holy Ghost meetings alone will not build you, stay, establish you firmly, and fix you upon the rock, Christ Jesus. He said to Timothy, "What you need to do in these last days," he said, "study to show yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling the Word of God or the Word of Truth." That's what we need to day, men and women of the Word who can stand strong in faith and knowing what they know they should know. Amen. I've, hey, have you ever been this way? I've been this way before. People ask you a question about the Scripture and you say, well, I don't know how, uh, exactly how to explain it, but boy, I know it's true. We need to know the way we should go and study and become students of the Word of God and students of sound doctrine. We need to ask ourselves questions like this. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach, follow me, about salvation? What does the Bible teach about the Holy Spirit in my life? You know, a lot of people do this with Scripture. They try to make it fit. They, they use it as the buffet. How many of you know the Bible is not the buffet? How many of you loved going to the buffet? And only one person? How many of you love, how many of you love going to the buffet? Ooh. Man, you pick and choose whatever you want and you can go back for seconds, thirds, fourths, or fifths. Beverly and I went on a cruise years ago and had this big buffet. And Beverly would kept asking, well, how much does this cost? I said, Beverly, it's all included. It took her about three days to figure out all inclusive means whatever you want. Because we're just not used to that. But a lot of people use the Word of God like it's the buffet. I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I don't like that. Ooh, that was good. That blessed me. I'll take that. But ooh, I don't like that part. Let me tell you something. You can't pick apart the Word of God. You can't just kind of apply the things you like and the things you want to know and then live life on your terms. Listen, the Word of God must be the standard. We must ask ourselves, but what does the Bible say? 
We do things in our life and we try to get the word to squeeze in to fit the way we live our life. Listen, they've been trying to do that. They've been twisting it and changing it and, 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 and undermining it rather than living uh, uh, on top of it. They've tried to get the word of God to mean what they want it to mean. But listen, we need to ask ourselves, well, what does the Bible say about that? And what does the Bible say about the, uh, about these important elements? What does the Bible say about the church? What does the Bible say about eternity? You see, we need to know what we should know and be able to be someone who can clearly communicate the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to know what we need to know. In fact, uh, hey, we need to ask ourselves when we're, hey, whenever you're studying or you're listening to, I remember the Bible says we ought to be good Bereans and we need to listen to the, the, the teachers, but then go to the scripture to validate. That's what Acts says to see if what you're hearing lines up, lines up with what the Bible says. Everyone asks, Hey, look at your neighbor and say, what does the Bible say about that? I'm telling you, we need to know what we should know. What does the Bible say? And this, here's a, here's a question we need to all ask ourselves when we're studying and when we're listening to teaching. We need to say, what does this have to do with the propagation or the expansion of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? Let's read that with me, everybody out loud. What does this have to do with the propagation of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? That's what 1 Timothy 1, 11 and 12 was saying. Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, there's false teachers out there. You go and you command them, don't teach any other gospel. They're teaching the law. They don't even know what the law is all about. They're all confused. They're all messed up. And what you need to uh, go and straighten them out on is the reality that it all has to revolve around the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. If it doesn't have gospel at its core, throw it out, my friend. Amen. Woo! You read, hey, when you pick up books, and I read books, I got a stack of books. And a lot of the books that I get, I have to ask myself, what does this have to do with the gospel? What's this really about? Is this all about me? Is this to make me feel better and get another goosey bump? Or is this going to firmly fashion me in the, and establish me in the foundation of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? So in these last days, folks, we need last day's leaders who know the way of sound doctrine. And you know what? We're all without excuse, aren't we? In fact, gosh, how many of you know Google is the most amazing thing I've ever experienced? You just Google it. Beverly was listening to someone share the Word and gave a great illustration from the Old Testament. She was telling me about it and I went right into Google. And I googled this phrase that was a really a cool statement. I thought, why didn't I think of that? And that was that's an awesome illustration from the Word of God. I went and googled it, and there's just a list, this long list of people who've already been down that road. And there's some great insight and truth. I'm telling you, we we are without excuse when it comes to truth and the revelation of God's Word in our life. We need to know what we should know. Amen. And so. We've got to become people who study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workers who need not be ashamed. Handling accurately the word of truth. Everyone say, know what you know. Or know what you should know. Number two, here's the second thing. If you want to know the way of sound doctrine, you need to share what you know. 
You, you got to be someone who shares the Word of God. And that's what Paul was telling Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, he said this, he said this concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and the truths of God's Word in these last days. He said, if you instruct the brethren in these things, in other words, you're sharing with them the things you know. Listen, God didn't give us the truth just to know the truth. Are you with me? Hey, if that's all you're here to do is hold it, then we might as well just send you on to glory. Hallelujah. Because what's the purpose of our life? Not just to know the truth, but to be, as we said earlier, those who proclaim the truth and become a pattern to the truth to those who need someone to follow. So we see Paul sharing with Timothy. He said, you've got to instruct the brethren in these things. And if you do, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the what? Somebody say good doctrine. He said, if you'll share it, now catch this principle. Did you catch this principle? You probably didn't. You can look it up later. He said, if you'll start instructing the brethren in these things, you know what happened? You'll get spiritually nourished. And you'll begin to become more securely established in the good doctrine. He said this. He said, you'll be nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. You see, we share it not just so somebody else can know it, but for the purpose of firmly establishing it in our lives. Amen. How many of you know, if you were, if I appointed you that this next Sunday, you're going to preach the next in this series, you would get busy about the business of knowing what you were supposed to share. Because you can't share what you do not know. But when you begin to know something, you need to share it. You need to begin to tell it. You need to begin to release it. Look what he says in, in uh, chapter 2, verse, uh, pardon me, 2 Timothy 2, 2. Look at this. T 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. He said, and the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to do what? Share and teach others also. That's the way the truth, that's the way the gospel is, 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 is released into the, into the universe, into the world we live in. He said, you find you some faithful men. Listen, we need faithful people in the, in the church, right? I said, we need faithful people in the church, right? But listen, we don't just need to be faith. We don't just need faithful people. We need faithful people who are well informed and they know what they know and they can share what they know with others that do not know what they know. I don't even know if I can repeat that again. I was, I was thinking I might try, but it's not just being faithful. It's, it's being well informed when it comes to the sound and healthy and wholesome doctrine of Jesus Christ. We've got to share what we know. In fact, if you go, again, you go over to 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. He says, preach the Word. Somebody say, preach the Word. That means proclaim the Word. Be a proclaimer of the truth that you know. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and what? Teaching. Mamas and daddies, listen carefully. Our children need to be taught the way of the Lord. Our children, listen, I love David Shibley. David Shibley is a, in fact, he's coming out with a, with a book called, I think it's Entrusted. It's from one of these verses uh, I read it where Paul said, I was entrusted with the gospel. And it's called Entrusted. It's all about the gospel. And he says this, our, our fourth and fifth graders 
need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our young children need to be able to clearly communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I came to tell you that that's where we need to begin to focusing our life and focusing our families. We need fathers who will set their children down and teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need mothers who will preach the word not just to their neighbor, but to their families and proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ into their hearts and lives. you got to share what you know. Everybody say, you got to know what you should know. But then you got to share. If you want to be in the way of sound doctrine, you got to share what you know. And if you don't know what you should know, you can't share what you, what you should know. And so you got to begin to know it so you can begin to share it. In fact, I love what uh, Paul told Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, no, chapter 4. He said, if you continue in these things, verse 16, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. In other words, when you begin to share it, it's going to help you and it's going to begin to save. And I don't, not from the standpoint of being born again. It's going to deliver those who you talk to. It'll work in their life. How many of you know the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword? The way of sound doctrine, the way of the Lord. You've got to know the way you should know and you've got to share what you know. And number three, you've got to affirm what you know. Everyone say, affirm. That word means to assert strongly and publicly. Everyone say, strongly and publicly. Listen, hey, don't go down this road right here. I've heard people say this. Well, you know, uh, people have a choice of what they believe. This is what I believe. I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. And, you know, they can believe what they want to believe. I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe. And, and, you know, we just let the chips fall where they may. No, 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 no. Everybody say, "Uh uh-uh. Everybody, "Uh uh-uh. Because discipleship requires for us to affirm what we know, to, de- to assert strongly and publicly. And that's what 1 Timothy chapter 4 is all about. Look in verse 12. Look at what he says. Here we go. He says, let no one despise your youth. i got 16 minutes, y'all. Get, stay with me. Here we go. He said, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given you by the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the what? The doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now, you know what I see about this passage of Scripture? Paul's telling Timothy, this is not just between you and Jesus. This is not just between you and God. God has you here on planet Earth to be a propagator, if you will, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To share it and then affirm what you know. And to be able to be an example to others of what you know. Look what he says in verse 12. Be an example. In other words, you got to live it. Everybody say, you got to live it. You can't just say this is the way you should go and not be living in the way you should go. And listen carefully to me. It's time we start living what we believe we say we know. Are you with me? It's time we start aligning our life. Listen to me. I'm speaking to somebody's heart. You've been making excuses about the way you're living. Come on now. You know what's right and wrong and you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and you have the power to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. You need to understand that it's time we start living what we say we know. 
Come on now. It's time we start living the life. He told Timothy, he said this. He said, hey, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. In other words, let your life be a picture of what the power of the gospel will do in someone's life. It'll transform your life, and it'll change you from the inside out. It's an inside job. Amen? We've got to affirm it. Where the people, hey, let me just ask you, does anybody know you've been born again? Does anybody see the evidence of a changed life and a transformed life? Paul comes to his son. He's about to hand him the the baton of leadership in in a greater way than ever before. And he says, Timothy, listen, I know you're young, but hey, I'm about to give you this. You better live what I'm telling you. You better live what I've been speaking. I know you've been living it. He, In fact, he affirms that he has been living it. But what he's saying, I'm about to give this to you. Hey, you've been hearing it. You've been listening to it. And you've been walking in it. But I'm telling you, you better start kicking it up a notch. You better start living this life in a greater way. So other people can see Jesus on the inside of you. Everybody say, you got to live it. Number two, if you're going to affirm what you know, you got to attend to it. Verse 13, he says, till I come, give attention. Give attention. It means to pay attention to, to apply oneself, to adhere to, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Well, I don't have a very good attention span. Well, that means you're going to have to work three times as hard as everybody else. Because there's no, hey, there's no, uh, there, there's no, hey, I'm just going to get a, what is it, get out of jail free card and go straight to, what is it? I don't know, Monopoly's getting old. I haven't played in so long. You get out of jail free card and you go straight to home or straight to the end. Listen, th- hey, all of us have a responsibility to whatever it takes to adhere to, to apply, to pay attention to the Word of God in our life and, and to get sound doctrine built deep within us. Pay attention to it. Everybody say pay attention. Better pay attention. You know, when you come to church, for goodness sake, and I applaud, everybody give each other a hand for being here. Come on, everybody give each other a hand for being here. Woo, come on. Look at your neighbors. I'm so proud of you for being here. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. I'm so proud you came today. Woo, hallelujah. I'm so proud you came. But if you're texting your friend in church or somewhere else and not paying attention when the preacher's going on and when the teacher's going on, what the heck are you doing here for? Woo, I'm getting close to somebody's little problems this morning. I can't, I can't. I can't get past your bow legs, preacher. Hey, listen, we better pay attention to what the Bible says. He said, pay attention to it. Man, I'll tell you, that's so huge. If, you, if you'll begin to live it and then attend to it. And then number three, we gotta, if we're going to affirm what we know, we've got to meditate on it. Everybody say meditate. Woo, I love this word. It means to uh, revolve around in the mind. Everybody go, ooh, yeah. I'm pondering this. Listen, it's not in speed reading the Bible. It's taking truths and begin to meditate on them. What did David say in Psalm 1? He said this, I'm going to take your word and I'm going to meditate on the law of the Lord. He that meditates on the law of the Lord will be like a tree planted by rivers of water which yields its fruit in its season. At least shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. I'm going to meditate on the word of God. It's going to grow on the inside of me. It's powerful. It's living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's going to 
to change my life for goodness sake. You got to live it. You got to attend to it. You got to meditate on this strong gospel. This you got, it's got to be asserted strongly and publicly in your life. And then he tells him, you got to commit to it. It's got to be the commitment of your life. Look what he says in verse 15. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. He's talking about the, 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 the sound doctrines of God and the teachings of God. Give yourself entirely to them. Man, I'm telling you, that's all in. That's committed to the core kind of, kind of Christianity. I'm all in on it. I'm committed to it. And then number five, you got to continue in it. Everyone say continue in it. Look what he says. Take heed to yourself, verse 16, and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in so doing or in doing this, you'll save both yourself and those who hear you. You can't quit. You can't come to a place where you think you know it all. You've got to affirm what you know. Because if you don't affirm what you know, if you don't not only share it, but affirm it by living it, by attending to it, by meditating on it, by committing to it, and continuing in it, understand something, you may be among those who in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy verse 1, who depart from the faith and give heed to the deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons. Somebody say, oh, I don't want to do that. Because if we don't affirm it, We'll be, we'll be bombarded by false doctrine and demonic influences in our life in these last days. Some of you here today have already felt the effects of that. And today I came as a wake-up call to you to tell you, you better get your nose in the book. You better begin to affirm and know what you should know and to be, and begin to share what you know and affirm what you know. And then number four, and I'm going to close, Paul the Apostle said to Timothy, You've got to guard what you know. Because there are enemies in the world trying to undermine the foundations of our faith. People will depart from the faith. Look in chapter 1. Uh, pardon me, 1 Timothy 1, chapter 6. His last two verses in this letter. Oh, Timothy. Everyone say, oh, Timothy. Now, I noticed something. I don't know how the, it reads in the Greek, but there's an exclamation point there. I don't know how that works in the Greek. I'll have to look up my punctuation in the Greek, but undoubtedly, he's hitting something pretty heavy here. Timothy! In other words, it's a strong finish. Are you with me? If everybody's still with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. He said, guard what was committed to your trust. Everyone say, you got to guard it. Now, he said, avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of which is falsely call, called knowledge by professing it. Some have strayed concerning the faith. His last thoughts were, man, you better guard what was committed to your trust. Now, let's back up. What did Paul say in 1 Timothy chapter 1 in reference to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Verse 11, he says, let me tell you something. Uh, this glorious gospel has been committed to my trust. It's been entrusted to me. Now follow me, I'm about done. He said, this glorious gospel, Paul said, has been committed to me. And you know what we see at the close of this first, first letter to Timothy? He said, okay, Timothy, you better guard what I committed to your trust. 
know the context there? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, today more than ever before in my lifetime, there is an attack on the core, the foundations of our faith, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, there's only one way to get to heaven, it's through Jesus Christ. We need to guard the gospel. And don't let the gospel be watered down in our life. Listen, did you know good people are going to split hell wide open? Do you know religious people are going to split hell wide open? Do you know faithful fathers to their children are going to split hell wide open one day if they don't know Jesus Christ and come through the door of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You can't get be good enough to get to God. you got to know the way that you should know. And it's through Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, I was reading a book today by, by uh, uh, oh gosh, pa- Pastor Jack Hayford. And he said this about the gospel and about truths of God's Word. He said, you know, when God creates something, there's a beautiful simplicity to it. Can I tell you, the gospel is so simple. But he said, when humanity gets involved what happens is they take something so beautifully simple and begin to complicate it. We need to stay close to the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Embrace the truth of God's Word in our life. What did Paul say? He said, I'll tell you something you ought to remember that's worthy of a, a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He closes out this letter and he says, you need to guard that. That's how people get to heaven. It's through the gospel. Amen. It's sound doctrine. You got to know the way that you should know. You got to begin to know the word know the truth then you can share what you know you can't share it unless you know it and then you got to affirm it you've got to strongly and publicly reveal to the world what you know about Christ and how he's changed your life you got to affirm it and then brother we got to guard what was committed to our trust let's stand together today Today, I believe God's gospel is available to all of us this morning. If you're here today and you've never embraced the truth of the gospel, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to open the door of opportunity to you to believe the gospel, to trust in, rely upon, and cling to the gospel. Because today, I've entrusted you with truth that's the power of God's Word and the power of the Gospel. Jesus Christ came into the world to save us from our sin. You see, we're all sinners and separated by God. All we like sheep have gone astray and all of us have turned to our own way. The Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my life. I really do believe that I need to be born again. I, I don't... 
I've never really come to a place where I put my trust and my confidence in Him as the Lord and the leader of my life with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but I will lead you right to the cross. I will, I will walk you through the gospel that will cause you to be gloriously born again. It's transforming. It's, it's life-saving. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I just want to know Jesus Christ in my life. I want to embrace the gospel. I want to ask Him to be the Lord and the leader of my life. If that's you, wherever you are, lift your hand and just keep it up high. Anyone here, just lift it up. Let me pray for you right where you stand. Anyone. Because there's no one lifting their hand, I'm going to be under the assumption that you're here today and you accepted Christ into your life. You've accepted Christ into your life today. I challenge you, as Paul challenged Timothy, to begin to know what you need to know, to be able to share what you know, and be able to affirm what you know, and guard what you know, and be able to, in these last days, be a last days leader who, who has sound, good and healthy, sound, safe and sound doctrine that you build your life upon. With every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you here hunt for another goose spoke. Let me tell you something. The closest you'll ever get to Jesus is through His written Word. Because it's His love letter to you. It's His instruction manual to you. You fall in love with His Word, you'll fall in love with Him. He'll lead you and guide you and direct you. Father, today as we end this service, In these last days, I pray, Lord, that this word that I've shared will not fall on deaf ears. Today, Lord, there will be believers who would not just be Jesus groupies. who are just going from one experience to the next. Find another place where there's more fish and bread. But Lord, let this be a house of people who have built their life upon the sound doctrines of the faith. I thank you for it today. I pray, Lord God, you would establish us and we would be, as Paul told Timothy, Lord, role models and examples and those who affirm strongly and publicly their stand for you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. This week, your responsibility is first and second Timothy and then whatever else you want to do. I want you to go back through it. I want you to meditate on them. I want you to take these notes. In fact, they'll be online in a few days and if you missed it, you can go back and I want you to know, hey, listen, I told our people Wednesday night, right over here is our Wednesday night Connect course. And our Connect course is helping us get a firm grip on God's Word. And if you missed the Connect course, especially if you're a new member or a new believer, you need to be at the Connect course. You said, well, I missed last Wednesday. For goodness sakes, it's on our, our website. Just go to cotrnorth.com. Click Connect course. Listen to the first. Fill out. Yeah, I think you can even print out the, the, the lessons there. I'm not sure. If not, I can give them to you. And I told our people on Wednesday night, we need a firm grip on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the way people get born again. Amen. You can't get born again by coming to church unless you believe the gospel that you hear in church. Being a faithful attender and even a tither won't get you to heaven. But being born again and begin to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ will get you right into eternity and you'll hear Jesus Christ say one day, just like my friend Deanna heard just a few days ago, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things here. I won't give you much. She 
He's there because of the power of the gospel. Father, today, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you're searching for a church home at the close of this service, I see Jim and Trish right here. Raise your hand. They're going to be hanging around. You need a church home. In fact, Paul talk, talked a lot about the faithfulness to the church family, that we're a family of faith. You need a church home. If you're searching for a church home and you've heard the voice within the voice, listen. Today, if you heard the voice within the voice, what is that? You heard Jesus speaking to you through this old flawed, gray-headed, bow-legged grandpa. You believe this is where you need to plug in. Listen, today, don't go that way. Come this way. And grab Jim and Trish by the hand and say, I sense God leading me to connect my life and my family to this church. My commitment to you as a pastor is that you, if you'll be faithful to God in His church, you will begin to grow in the things of God and you'll begin to learn more and your, ch- your children will grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And you'll look back one day and go, wow, look what God has done in my life. Look what God has done in my family. Now, we don't have all the answers, but let me tell you something together. You know, we can, we can see God do great things in our so if you're searching for a church home, I want to encourage you to do that. Beverly and I are believing together that God would add many people to our church in the next three or four months, this, at the end of this year. We're just believing that God is drawing people from the north, south, east, and west who can not only come and take up a spot, but begin to plug in and get involved and be a part of this great church called Church on the Rock North and be able to help us help others around the world. Everybody said, amen. I'm done. Whoo! Today, as we close, don't forget Tom Schaefer. In fact, you just write on your check, C-O-T-R-N, and put down at the bottom, Deanna. Everyone say Deanna. Say it again, Deanna. What a great lady she was. I wish you could have met Deanna. Love Jesus, love the Mexican people, right, Ryan? Sadly, in her latter years, she got dementia. Just was not even there hardly but she's in heaven today she's in her right mind so I want you to help me take a good love offering to Tom and tell him we love him from Church on the Rock North I want to encourage you to do that Beverly anything else to say before we go God bless you oh by the way it's Mabry Ruth's one month birthday today let's let Mabry Ruth she's still down there she's not down there anymore she's back there she's back there everybody say happy birthday one month to Mabry I'm a pawpaw. God bless you. Have a great day. If you're searching for a church home, come see Jim and Trish. We'll see you Wednesday night in the Connect course. God bless.